0: So today we're going to be in Acts chapter 17. So see if you can find that in your Bibles. And I'm looking to see if our scripture reader, is he here? Brayden and or Hmm. Okay. Maybe not. Okay. I guess I'm your scripture reader today. There we go. So, um, so let's open up God's word together and then we'll, uh, then we'll dive deeper into it. So here, this is Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphilopolis and and, uh, uh, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world. But now they have come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying, they are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Jason could remember the place and the moment in the synagogue when the lights turned on for him. He, He was sitting on his regular bench in his regular place, doing what they would regularly do on the Sabbath in the synagogue, hear the scriptures. But this day, this day, a new guy had been, was in town, Paul. And Paul started to explain to the gathered group how, how all of the scriptures, all of the scriptures that, that he had known his whole life, all of them, all of them point to Jesus. it seemed any passage they turned to, when, when Paul would start talking about it, he would show how this passage connects to the larger plan of God's saving work in the world. He remembered when the, when the, the, the scroll of Isaiah was opened up in Isaiah 53, 11. After he had suffered, he will see the light of life And be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And he remembered as Paul started to talk about who the one who would suffer the one who would die, the one who would rise again, and how through this man, Jesus of Nazareth, how God was enacting a new plan to redeem the world, that he would send a righteous servant to take all of the sin of humanity onto himself, that he would destroy the power of sin and death by absorbing all of it onto himself and and having it die with him. And the lights, Turned on for Jason. And everything started to make sense. But you know, it wasn't just his mind that kind of came to light in that moment. It was his heart, (laughs) too. This deep conviction. Maybe some of you can remember the time and the place when you first said yes to Jesus and something happened inside of you. All he knew is that he would never be the same again. And over the next weeks, as Paul would keep coming back to the synagogue and they'd be teaching midweek, I mean, Jason knew he, he needed to get to know Paul's story better because he needed to get to know Jesus' story better. And he'd heard the rumors of the things that, that had happened recently to Paul and Silas. See, they had just recently come to Thessalonica from Philippi. And when they were in Philippi, I mean, he... Now, I don't whether or not Paul told him this or was telling these stories. It, the rumors had already gotten around. See, up in Philippi. They would have been preaching. And there was a there was a, a slave girl who was who had was demonically possessed, and so she could tell the future, and so her masters were using her to make money. And and he just spoke to this, to this, to this dear girl, and and the demon left her. And it caused so much. Fuss that they, they threw them in jail, uh, put stocks on their feet, and how in the middle of the night there was an earthquake and all their chains were loosed and the stocks fell off, and how Paul and Silas, how they could, have, they could have escaped out of the jail at that moment, but they didn't, they stuck around, and how the jailer, the very person who would have put them in the stocks, was so moved by their witness that. He came to Christ. His whole family came to Christ. Can you imagine that? Middle of the night, he's pounding on the door at home. Honey, you got to hear this guy. So so God was clearly on the move. Now, there, there, there were no earthquakes in Thessalonica, but as they started to gather and they started to hear these stories about Jesus and make the connection between the scriptures that they've heard their whole life and God's plan for salvation through Jesus, things started to happen. People started praying for each other. And they started experiencing healing. People got better from illness faster. How, how some of the g- Greek-speaking, uh, uh, or actually how, to, how some, of, some of their... Some of Jason's Greek friends because he, he was a Hellenized Jew. He spoke Greek, but he was ethnically Jewish. But how Greek friends started to hear the message, and they started to get connected to the synagogue. Because you see, if Jesus is the Savior of all people, then all people are equal. And so all these Greeks started to get involved with this group, and the group got larger and larger. And then there were there were some of the women, because of course, if Jesus is the Savior of all people, then he makes no distinction between the genders as well. And and so these women started to, started to find greater prominence in the local community, and And there was all this exciting stuff happening for several weeks in a row. Wasn't that great? It was a revival. It was fantastic. It was amazing. It was life-changing. And it got the attention of of some of the Jewish leaders in the synagogue. Their concern wasn't necessarily a rational concern like, oh, these scriptures don't make sense. Or, oh, this Paul isn't speaking the truth. They just plain didn't like change. They didn't like that they, well, they didn't like that these Greeks were getting involved in the church. So they didn't like that these women were, were rising to prominent positions within the church. And, and, so, and so Jason remembers the day, middle of the afternoon. He's at home. Paul and Silas, they're off teaching at another person's house. And there's these pounding on the door. He opens up the door and there's this mob in front of his house. You ever had a mob in front of your house? All these near to near to do near near well to do folks from the community, rough scallions like these folks over here, standing outside the door, trying to cause trouble, and he got dragged out in front of the city officials. Now some of these Jews from the synagogue were were causing trouble by saying these people are proclaiming a new king. A king that's not Caesar. And Jason was thinking, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. combination of fear and excitement. I mean, as fearful as you would be if you had an angry mob dragging you out of your house. And also a measure of excitement. Like... I belong to Jesus. And his Jesus suffered for me. Maybe I get a chance to share in his sufferings too. Because Jesus, if he rose from the dead, as I share in his sufferings, I'm going to share in his resurrection too. So it wasn't all bad for him, but it was a scary time. And you can just imagine that night you know after after the mob had dispersed after fines had been paid and promises made to not house paul and silas in their in his home anymore you can imagine that meeting that night i imagine that jason wanted paul and silas to stay in thessalonica it's only been 3 weeks there's still so much more we need to learn there's so much work that's unfinished. You've got to stay. And, and Paul, explaining to them that no, we're, we're causing more commotion here than is helpful for the young church. And you have enough. You have the Holy Spirit. And you have the scriptures. And remember what we taught you. To look for Jesus in the Scriptures. He's there on every page, in every book. He's there. Look for Him there and you'll be okay. After much protest, it was agreed that Paul and Silas would Leave town that night. Jason remembered, standing on the edge of town, as he's watching Paul and Silas, these men who's by their, their teaching has changed their lives. He's changed changed Jason's life and the life of countless others. He's watching them as the as the as they're heading down the, the road. He watched as the lamp Carried off into the night until he couldn't see it any longer. And he wondered Are we going to be okay? It just seems like it, it, this wasn't long enough. Are we going to be okay? And as it turns out, they were. The church didn't grow quite as quickly after that point, but it kept going. And they held on. And they continued to search the Scriptures. They continued to trust the Spirit together. They continued to love one another and pray for one another. And they continued to see God move in their midst. <laughs> and you can only imagine what it would have been like a couple months later. After they'd been hearing the reports of, of where Paul and Silas and, and Timothy ended up joining them and how they'd gone off to Berea and the church had started there and then they went down to, to Athens and preached the gospel there and they heard that they'd made the trip from Athens to Corinth. And then one day, a messenger from the church in Corinth showed up in Thessalonica. And in that group that, is, that was still meeting in Jason's house, a messenger would show up and he would open up a, open up a scroll... And read these words. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work inspired by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of our Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now, truth is, I, I I don't know whether the 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 birth of the church in Thessalonica was exactly like I imagine it, or like in in Jason's experiences of Paul and Silas are exactly like I imagine it. But it is important that we imagine and we allow our imagination to help us kind of connect the dots, connect the details that we find in Scripture, because otherwise we miss out on this vitally important truth. That, that these, I mean, that Paul and Silas and, and Timothy and Jason and all these folks in Thessalonica and all these people we read about in the book of Acts, these are very real people. Going Like figuring it out as they go. Encountering God together. Because sometimes we, we, we put all these folks and these experiences up on a pedestal and we kind of think, oh yeah, the early church and when God was on the move and the gospel was moving forward with power, wouldn't that have been great because everything was going perfect? And yet it wasn't. See, There's there's two quick points I want to make today as we look at this passage. The first one is this. Let me see your eyes. Hardship is normal. Hardship is normal. There were no good old days back in the Bible. (laughs) These men and women who trusted and followed God also went through incredibly Difficult circumstances and situations. As I was, um, well, as I've been, you know, preparing the messages in the Book of Acts, one of the the studies I've been trying to do is so so how, like, just even to ask the question. So, how many death threats did Paul receive during his ministry? And it's it's hard to find an exact count. Because you have to figure out, so, so it, was this riot a death threat? Was, was, was this imprisonment a death threat? Oh, well, here, this one was definitely a death threat. But my, my point is that it's a long list. Like every single place where a church was formed, there was trouble. It was everywhere. All the time. Things when, when, when we are living out the gospel of Jesus, though following Jesus is the very best thing you can ever do with your life, it is not. It is never the easiest thing you can do with your life. If you want a more difficult, more complicated, more, more hard life, follow Christ. And we in the Western church, we sometimes have a hard time with this. We... we it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm going to, going to be just a little tongue in cheek, a little bit sarcastic for a moment. But it's almost like sometimes in the Western church, we just think, well, the moment hardship happens, the moment things don't go quite as planned, the moment we experience any sort of turmoil, we just think, well, God, where are you? Isn't everything supposed to go better? Aren't you supposed to just be constantly blessing me? And if Paul was here today, I think he would say, Are we reading the same Bible? You realize that every hero of faith in the Old Testament and in the New, every hero of faith experienced trouble. Hardship is normal. Especially so when the message of Jesus, the, the, the ethics that come along with following Jesus, the, the allegiances that come along with following Jesus, when, when those values are, what's the right word? In discord with the values of the culture around us. Of course there's going to be conflict. Conflict. Of course there's going, there's going to be moments that, where there's trouble. Because we are literally proclaiming a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world. We're literally proclaiming a different king than the kings of this world. Of course there's going to be trouble. The second point. As we read the book of Acts, we we notice that as Paul is starting all these churches, what he wants to do is wants to do all this face-to-face ministry with all these different communities. He's longing to be with them in person. And the trouble, the hardship, the the, the geographic distances... The persecution, the imprisonment keeps him from it. And so, for Paul, he ends up doing what for him seemed like plan B. Which is, he writes a letter. Now, now um, biblical historians, they debate whether or not Galatians or Thessalonians was the first letter to be put into print. And I don't know that I'm smart enough to solve that one. But... Thessalonians was, if if not um, the first, it was one of the first. I can't help but wonder if when Paul and Silas left in the middle of the night, if they were wondering, like, did we, I mean, a month is not really long enough to start a church. If they were wondering, will the church in Thessalonica make it? Yet it did. And because of the hardship that Paul went through, the the times he didn't get his plan A and his plan B of writing letters, because of that, we have a quarter of the New Testament. That Paul's, arguably, Paul's greatest work was not his first plan. I say that to comfort you, my friends. Just because something is not your plan A doesn't mean it's not God's plan A. And while we should expect hardship, we should expect trouble, here's the other thing we need to know is is that whatever hardship you're experiencing right now, whatever trouble you're experiencing, God is with you in it. And whether you are feeling it in the moment or not, God is still there. And God is, is at work in you and in the moment more than, more than you are probably aware. And some of Paul's greatest work happened because the trip to Thessalonica was cut short. Because he was run out of town. Because he was imprisoned. Just because it's not your plan A doesn't mean it's not God's. Plan A. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. God works in the midst of hardship because He promised that never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. How have you you seen God working in times of hardship or trouble? Let's, Let's talk a little bit. How have you seen God do something good in the midst of something that maybe you didn't expect? Does anybody have a story? Yeah.
1: It was 1957. It was the year that um, the Soviets put the Sputnik up in yeah, space. That's not you. You're fine there. Okay, yeah. it is working. Yeah. Okay, so the Soviets put the Sputnik up in space, and my father had a temporary job in Minnesota. And uh, so we would go out at night. Sputnik was up for about four days, I think, four nights, and look at the, uh, at the Sputnik travel across the skies. And one night I looked over and I saw my mother, and tears were just streaming down her, her face. And I thought, oh, my goodness, And I had a younger brother that was just a toddler at the time. And she held his hand and she was crying. And we went inside and after she put my brother to bed, I asked, what's wrong? And she said, well, Kevin has cancer. Hmm. He doesn't have long to live. He had lymphoma and there were swellings all over his neck. And I couldn't believe it, and I stayed up all night praying and crying. And then I think I fell asleep for a bit, and then I heard my mother crying. It was morning. Hmm. And I got up, and I thought, oh, my brother has probably passed away. And she was crying again, and she said, look at Kevin. He doesn't have cancer anymore. Hmm. And he didn't. From then on, he was cancer-free.
0: Wow, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. Anybody else have a story of of encountering God in a time of hardship or trial? That's okay. Oh, oh, there there is one. Okay. All right.
2: This is when I was very young and newly married, and we were poor, (laughs) and I was a part of the church in Monitor, and um, I was a part of a women's group that paid dues of $10 every year to support the group, but um, I didn't have it, and I was just very upset. I wasn't very upset. I was thinking, oh, well, I don't have it, but we were also praying for somebody for a whole year before that, but anyway, um, my mother-in-law came up and said, oh, here's the $10 I owe you, and I was so excited, and Mm. I, I haven't been able to, I mean, I have been able to trust God with my finances ever since. I mean, yeah. it was just that wonderful to me.
0: Yeah. That at the time when you think, thought you didn't have enough, that God just supernaturally provided. Yeah. Got time for one more story. Does somebody else have a story of, a, of yeah, where God showed up in a time of hardship? Gracie.
2: This was when our house had just burned down, so like 2020. And my mom was in the bathroom one morning when, like, it was actually at night, and she was like, Gracie, can you go get dad? And she was crying. So I went and got dad. And he was, like, in there, and they, they had conversations. And for a couple of weeks, she was throwing up a lot and stuff. And later, we found out that she could have cancer, and it was really scary. And then a couple of weeks later, we found out that it was actually my baby brother, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, that sometimes the hardship is actually a blessing, right? That, though though God, God is with us and he empathizes with us in our times of suffering, that doesn't mean that just because it looks or feels bad to us that it's as bad as it is from God's perspective. I mean, what if God is so powerful, what if he is so good that he can take the moments of greatest struggle in your life and actually have those be the foundation of your greatest contributions and victories in life? Because if we're following Jesus, we need to expect that at times it will be hard. But we can rest in the promise that Jesus gave us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Or I think of his words in John chapter 16, if we can put those up on the screen. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have, what's the word? Trouble, Trouble. but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. As we close, invite us to, to stand if you if you're able if you... what's the hardship in your life that you need to give to God today what's the what's the place of uncertainty that you need to give to God today just even invite us as we pray, if you're comfortable doing this, just to, to put, put your hands out in front of him. And you know, that we have our palms up to say, Lord, I'm going to release this to you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. That no matter what I'm experiencing in life today, that I can know that you are with me. Thanks, God. Thanks, Lord, for being with me always.